Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we have got a great guest on today because, uh, you know, I, having lost your brother, you certainly have a sweet spot for sibling loss. And uh, you did your research on it. And I know when you did your study on it, I don't know, how many years ago was it, Heidi? Um, I started writing my dissertation in 2000. I did it in 2001 and two. And you, and you did on loss of a sibling, right? I did my doctoral dissertation on the sudden death of a sibling. I think I graduated in 2003. And the person that we are having on today, Raina Vaught Godfrey, I have known for a long, long time. And I think she was, when I first wanted to do my doctoral dissertation on this, I called her. I don't know if you remember, Raina. And I talked to you about it. And you were awesome. And you sent me some of your research that you had done. Mm-hmm. after your brother died on sibling loss and I know you did your doctoral dissertation on the death of a sibling when you're an adult right I know Wesley wasn't an adult but you were 20 right yeah he was 16 and and I was 20 and you know really when I went to find something to help me um, there was nothing nothing on sibling loss certainly nothing on sibling loss at my age and so decided you know being in a position I could write my dissertation on this uh, and so I was, you know, not happy that you had had the same experience, but was glad that you were going to contribute to the research as well. Um, and, and so happy to, to share the little that I had found at that point. Dr. Raina, uh, she is a licensed psychologist in private practice in Jacksonville, Florida, and she specializes mm-hmm. in grief and loss. She's a member of the Association for Death Education and Counseling. And she has presented at international conferences and workshops on the experience of losing a sibling in adulthood. And she's written a lot about it as well. Um, as I said, I've cited to her many times. And we have a lot in common because Raina and I were both 20 years old when our teenage brothers died in car accidents. Yeah. Wesley? We were, um, we were very close. He's my only sibling. And he was a junior in high school when I was a junior in college. And um, we had talked on the night on the phone the night before and he was telling me about a date that he'd had and I was trying to rush and go do something college uh, like um, but the last words we ever said to each other were I love you yeah. and we we ended that phone call and then it was the next day that he was in a car accident and killed instantly mm-hmm. um, and certainly that has been the most defining moment of my life so far um, and it was, it was incredibly difficult to grieve him. My parents were already divorced at that point. They'd been divorced for five years. Um, and he and I had really been what we considered the, the family unit. Um, it was sort of us against them. Um, and so it was, it was difficult to figure out how to navigate that um, and, and find my own way when he had been my, my companion. He would have been the one to help me with anything that I had been going through. Um, so, so it was, it was a huge loss. Yeah, it, it sounds like it. And that's why I, I named, when I thought about what I should name Michelle, I thought I'm going to life without my brother. Because I know over the years following you, talking to you and seeing you at conferences and following you on Facebook, I know what your brother's meant to you. 
because yes. you keep these memories so alive and so in the forefront, which mm -hmm. I love. Um, what kinds of things were, were not helpful early on? You know, I think a big thing with sibling loss is um, we're, you know, we're kind of the forgotten mourners and the people who get the attention are um, the parents. I had so many people say, oh, your brother died. That must be so hard for your parents and just dismissed that I was grieving very significantly. And a lot of times, if it's not the, the parents, it will be the, the, if the sibling was married and had their own kids, it would be their family that gets the attention. And so really, you know, don't ignore the sibling and don't dismiss that they um, are having a very, very significant grief experience, that they've had a huge loss. Um, a lot of times uh, people think that, you know, because you've left the childhood home that you're no longer as close and that's not true. Um, and okay, so, Rena, can you please yeah. say that again? I love that point. Um, people think because you've left the childhood home. Right. People, people think because you've left the childhood home that you're no longer living together, that you're not close or that the sibling influence is not as strong and that's not true. Um, and so really recognizing that, that the sibling relationship is the longest relationship that we have. Um, and, and it is important to us across the lifespan and losing a sibling um, at any age is, is a huge loss. I love that because I definitely found that to be the case in my own situation. Because Scott and I weren't living together under the same roof, I felt like society assumed that we, we, it wasn't that significant. And that, well, you know, you were living away from home at college, so you probably weren't that impacted by it. And sometimes, I mean, for me and Scott, we, always, we were like you and Wesley, we always had a close relationship. But I hear some people say, you know what, we were even closer as we got older than we were when we were younger. So it was even more significant. So I, I like that, that point that you're making. Mm -hmm. um, so did you feel like you got support in college? I mean, did people, people obviously didn't know your brother, right, right. in college. And what was, that like? what was that like being in college and being like, I was in a sorority and I was fun and et cetera. And I know in my own situation, my friends really didn't understand because none of my friends in college had ever had a sibling death. So I didn't, I felt like initially I got support, but after a few weeks they were like, okay, Heidi, you gotta be fun now. <laughs> it's college time. Back, and yeah. so I didn't know how that was for you. Well, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I definitely had some people who knew Wes and, and he had been to visit me like on siblings day and, you know, had, had spent the night and, you know, um, hung out with some of my friends uh, and I had a great showing of people who came to his funeral um, but but like you said it's like you get back you get back into you know the you know within a week or two and everyone expects you to be you know back on track um, and for me I left he died in October and you know we finished the semester in December and then January I went to France for a semester abroad uh, and so really was you know disconnected from the whole um, support system um, and which I, I say it was it was a it was a very profound and positive experience on my grief to be able to go to France and mm -hmm. and grieve there and grieve him um, deeply and and be fulfilling my dream that that I had had since I was a child um, at the same time I was sort of living my nightmare um, mm -hmm. but but in terms of college support um, there, there was no, um, there was no support from the university. Uh, I had a professor tell me, if you can, in fact, prove to me that your brother did die, 
I will let you rewrite this paper. Oh my gosh. Uh, and I, yeah, I, I won't say on here what, what my response to him was. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the, I think the dean, I think my, my best friend and roommate um, told the dean what classes I had and she alerted the professors, but for some reason didn't alert this one. And I only missed less than a week of school. Uh. Um, because my dad said he had lost his father when he was in college and he said, oh, the best thing was to get back in, just, just go back and on the horse, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Get back on the horse, focus, focus on your studies. That's going to be the best thing. So I, he died on a Wednesday and I went home that night and I was back in school on to the following Tuesday. Wow. Um, Let me so. say something about parents. I, I, I love listening to you to talk about this because it's like, I'm kind of looking through the window, but boy, we hate to see our kids suffer and what, and seeing them do some routine things, what could be better? <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, cause we are such a mess and so mm -hmm. totally lost yeah. that hopefully somebody's got a strand. And I think you guys pick that up and probably discount your own experience trying to be that strand of strength, you know, Mm -hmm. Oh, carry on. I'm loving it. That's a good point, Mom, because I'm wondering, too, you know, once Dad said, go back to school, if you felt like, you know, I need to be strong for my parents. I need to, I need to do this because I'm worried. Yeah. They're going through, they're, I'm worried about them, so I do need to figure out how to, I'm going to do this. Was yeah. that? Well, there, there's a piece of that, and certainly I've heard a lot of siblings say that mm -hmm. to me, and I've had even some of the, the ones that I interviewed for my dissertation say, you know, I put my grief on hold. And even the clients that I see now, I just had one last week, one person last week say, you know, I have to go over every day and make sure my mom is showering and making sure, you know, it's, and it's just overwhelming me. Um, and so I think for me, I had, I had a, a very good experience and that my mom said to me, because again, the, the difficult part was grieving separately. I, we weren't grieving as a unit. And so I felt very torn and very pulled to be there for both of them, even though they weren't together. But, um, but my mom said to me, she's like, let's make a pact that we will always talk to each other and share and not worry that we're going to make the other one sad. So she's like, I don't ever want you to feel like, you know, you're going to make me sad if you call me and tell me you're having a bad day. And so my mom and I had that agreement that we would, we would talk to each other no matter what. Um, and, and my dad was, was less communicative, but still, you know, very, very connected. And when it was time for me to go to France, um, you know, they've just lost a child right. and the first Gulf war broke out wow. two weeks before I was supposed to go. Um, and my dad said to me, I cannot lose my other child. Um, I've lost one. I can't lose the other one. And I said, if you tell me not to go. I won't go, mm -hmm. but he knew somehow he knew deep down that, that I would not have survived had I not been able to go. And he said, I would never tell you that you need to do this. Um, just go and be safe. And so he was really able to put aside his own grief, his own fears and let me fly and be the person that I needed to be. So I'm very, very grateful for that. But I think a lot of times siblings don't have that experience with them. Yeah, as a parent, I can say you are so terrified that something else could happen because it's so out of control and, you know, you're looking for control and, you know, yeah. 
kinds of things you're seeing. Sometimes right? parents get overprotective. Mm -hmm. And you know, young adulthood is the time that we're separating and individuating, and parents will pull kids back in because exactly for the reason that you're talking about, they're terrified that another child is going to die. And so they become, you know, they start to micromanage them, which is not good at that point. So I, I love that your parents were able to say that. And was it good to kind of get away and have a totally different experience in France and just kind of be in a very yes. different place? Yes, and I, and I have to say, you know, it's great, you know, when you're, you're living someplace where everyone's kind of sullen and drawn in, no one expects you to be like optimistic and happy. No one asks you, how are you? Um, and you can like scowl at people. <laughs> So, so that, that was good. Um, but also because, like I said, this had been my dream since I was a child. And, and it was a very profound experience to experience your nightmare and your dream at the same time. Yeah. And, and to be able to, to have that and to, um, I mean, it's really opened me up to, you know, life is, is both you know, the, the good and the bad sometimes at the same time. Um, and so it was, it was very healing for me to just be able to go and, and, and be and do and speak French um, and, and then, you know, come home. Um, well, I like what you're saying because when Anderson Cooper's brother died by suicide, he decided to go to a war-torn war area and be a journalist there because he wanted the environment, the external environment to reflect what he was feeling internally. Yeah. Want, just is exactly what you're saying because you know it's it's kind of it's insulting when we've had a sibling death to go outside and have the sun shining and, and the birds singing and everything being a positive when you're you're wanting to say to the world don't you realize what has just happened right you know it should be storming right now right Heidi so, how about you going on outward bound that was pretty incredible that was that was very profound I went on outward bound three months after my brother died in Denver and I know that you're familiar with that because I know you used to live there um, and I went on a month long program and it was very, very hard. And it was, I cried and people thought I was crying because it was hard, but I was crying because I missed Scott. Yeah. And, uh, so at the end of it, it was, it was a good thing because I realized, you know what, I just got through my brother's death and I just got through this. I'm going to be able to get through life one day at a time without him. I don't know how, but I'm going to be able to do it. So in, in your research, Raina, and I know you've talked to hundreds and thousands of siblings over the years and, and your own experience, what has been helpful? What helps siblings when a brother or sister dies? I think that, you know, number one, it's, it's that recognition and validation that yes, you have, you have lost someone significant, that your grief counts, that this is profound. Um, and, and giving people time and space to do it on their own schedule. Um, a, a lot of people have said, you know, it's, it's, it's not helpful when they rush me. It's like, oh, well, it was just your brother. You should be over it by now. Um, but really the people who have um, been able to say, yes, you're grieving, you're sad, and, and just um, being present with the sibling is important. And I think also allowing, allowing people, allowing bereaved siblings to have their memories and to, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, when you're, when you're with friends and people start telling funny stories of, oh yeah, you know, I used to do this when I was a kid with my brother. And, and the people who are able to let you do that, um, I have to say are, are very healing. I know when I had the experience of being with friends and I could, we were talking about something and I could say, oh yeah, you know, my brother and I did this. And it was just a normal part of the conversation. And no one freaked out because I was talking about, you know, somebody who had died. It was just, yeah, this is your memory. It will always be your memory. Um, and it's a happy memory. 
And so, so being able to, to create that space and, and give that person um, the space that they need to remember, cry, laugh, whatever it is. Uh, I would love to hear you two talk a little bit about social media and how you feel about that that's made a change in the grief and loss world. I have to tell you, my brother, who was older than I, and, you know, an older person dying, it's a little disconcerting to get, he died about five years ago, to get his happy birthday on the internet for me. I don't know. And, and I've got another person who died that I know, and, I, and he used to send out a, um, a weekly little note of, of encouragement and his family's still sending it out. And it, it, you know, it's been three years. I don't know. I don't know. Talk to me about social media. Well, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's an interesting concept. You know, certainly that was way before um, our time with, with Wesley and Scott. Um, but, but certainly the, the way that we are so much more connected, I think it can be both helpful um, and unhelpful, you know, depending. Um, and I mean, there are ways that it helps you, you know, continue those bonds. You can, you can have those memories, the memories pop up, oh, on this day, you know, three years ago, we were doing this. Um, or it gives you, it gives you a place to, um, you know, put out a little notice that you know that lots of people are going to see. And so I think, you know, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things, it's, it's how you use it to make meaning. It's how you use it to um, do those restorative um, loss pieces that you need to do. I mean, I, I agree with you, Raina, that it's it's both positive and negative. I think one of the things I hear is that it's positive when we talk about Wesley and Scott, and then people will, you know, if we put up stuff about missing them, all of a sudden people will come and they'll comment and they'll say either that they're thinking of us or they'll give us stories about our brothers or you know, it's like oh my gosh, people still remember it. This is amazing. Yeah. The downside I've heard is when nowadays, and this is before our time, like you said, people have sites and they die and at first everybody's on them. Mm -hmm. But over time, less and less people are on them. And I hear family members saying it's hurtful because after a while, people start stop visiting the Facebook mm -hmm. pages and those pay, Instagram, et cetera. And you can see the dwindling and it's stressful for people to see that. Well, and, and you figure, I mean, that's, it's a parallel process to what happens, right, in, in, in real time, in that everybody gathers around for the funeral, and they're there for you, and feeding you afterwards, and then things just kind of dwindle, and when you feel like you need the most support, that's when everyone else has, has moved on, and so it's like that process is repeating itself, you know, with, with social media, um, but kind of an in-your-face. Absolutely, and you know what I've been really interested in, and I'd be, like your take on this, how impactful Scott has been in my life and still is. Yes. Like I'm blown away. Like some of the, like for example, your picture the other day, mm -hmm. your portrait. Tell yes. everybody about your portrait. I loved it. So, so I was taking this oil painting class. I've never done anything like this before um, and just started doing it. And we had, you know, we did still life and then we did landscape. And then I actually missed the class on portrait painting because I was at ADEC. Um, and so I thought, well, and they had a live model come in. They had this old guy named Pablo come in. And I thought, well, you know, I'm still going to do the portrait, even though I'm not in class. And I decided to paint Wesley. And so I have his old school photo, his last school photo from his junior year. Um, and it was, it was such an intimate and tender process. And it was unexpectedly emotional. Like I, I cried through, I painted him twice. And the first one, I cried through the whole thing. Um, it just felt very intimate to look at his picture in a way that, you know, I hadn't really stared at this picture in a long, long time. 
And I remember when he first died, looking at it and just wishing him to be alive and staring at the photo and thinking, how can you be dead? And all those memories came up again. But it was also interesting that, you know, as I painted him, you know, when I was painting his hair, it felt like I was almost reaching up and brushing his hair out of his face or, you know, adjusting it before he walked out, you know, to go on a date. Um, and it was just, it was a really beautiful experience. And, and the first one, you know, it, it looks kind of like him. Um, <laughs> I have to say. I mean, I was, I was, I was pretty pleased since I'd never done it before. And so then I, I sent a picture to my teacher and he gave me a couple of things of feedback. And so I painted it again and it, it looks much more like him. Um, but even then the, the process there was, you know, I found myself, um, you know, the first time I painted him, there was no frustration. There was no, you know, I can be a perfectionist. I, all of that was, you know, I just let that go and, and painted him for the experience of it. And then the second time, because I was trying to make it better, I had this goal and I kind of got clenched up and, and, I, and I thought to myself, I just need to capture him. I just, I've got to capture him right. And I took a breath and I realized, you know, that's how we feel about our siblings. You know, it's like, we just want to capture them. We just want to bring them back. We just want them to be here. And so when I let go of that um, sort of striving, it's like, you know, he's going to be here, however he's going to be here. And so let that go and, and, and let the, you know, painting go as it, as it would. Um, and so, yeah, and so then I was posting it on Facebook and this is a great thing with social media is I have a place of, I can share this and I can share this profound experience and, and my friends were overwhelmingly positive and, you know, giving it a thumbs up and, and loving my process of it. And I shared that process in class when we went last week and had our feedback class, showed the portraits and explained that to them. Um, so it was when, very powerful. When did, when did your brother die? What year? 1990. Okay, so all these years later, you're still very connected to him. I just want everyone to know this. You remember him all the time, and he's still very present in your life, which yes. I love because people mm -hmm. are afraid about that. So I know that you're in private practice, and I know that you, you know, that you do grief and loss. Where can people get a hold of you? Where can they find you? So I have a website. Uh, it's www.reynagodfrey.com. Um, and that tells more about me. It has my contact info. You can... Um, call me, you can send me an email. Um, everything's right there on the site. Great. Thank you, Raina, so much. And thank you for being, building so much awareness and being like a pioneer in the field of grief and loss, because you certainly were there for me when I, when I started embarking on this journey and, uh, and I appreciate everything you're doing. Great. Thank you. I want to thank Heidi and Raina for, uh, enlightening me. And, uh, I love to hear you guys talk about your brother's and I hope that everyone who's watching this will tell people about it who've had sibling loss because it is a profound loss and for parents to have more understanding about these losses. And Raina and Heidi and I certainly want to remind everybody that you've lost hope. If you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.